TopplessRobot.com presents... Dude, Luke, the printer's still busted, man. What the fuck? How's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode 110 of the Topless Robot Podcast. My name is Ryan. I'm tired. Uh, Kaylin, would you like to go ahead? <laughs> really? You mean oh. it? Oh, yeah. Hi, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm Kaylin. That's Kaylin. That's Kaylin. And I'm Brooks. That's Brooks. And that's Tyler. Hi. So, we are the Gaming Floors. It's the safety dance. There's something that we need to talk about right away. And that huh. is the misfortune of Alex Hutchinson. Ah, yes. Let oh, me tell yeah, you a story. Best Your best friend. About is that why you started? Alex. Is that why you started? <laughs> Go on. I was just going to say, is that why you started the, the podcast a little earlier than normal? Just <laughs> your rage was just escaping oh, from yeah. your body. And you're just like, I can't hold it in anymore. So for those who uh, are unaware, uh, this past week, Alex, this guy, Alex Hutchinson, bang, bang, click on Twitter. Uh, he's got a blue check mark. Uh, I had no idea who he was. Uh, but in his bio, it said creative director at Google Stadia. And that is relevant because he tweeted out streamers worried about getting their content pulled because they used music they didn't pay for should be more worried by the fact that they're streaming games they didn't pay for as well. It's all gone as soon as publishers decide to enforce it. The real truth is the streamers should be paying the developers and publishers of the games they stream. They should be buying a license like any real business and paying for the content they use. So, I get where he's trying to go with this, but he's making a false equivalency with movies and music. Movies and music are non-interactive art forms. They're, if, if you're screening, if one person pays for a movie and then they stream that movie to their followers, there's no diminishing the experience of the movie. Uh, you are experiencing the movie in full um it's not an interactive media so that's why those licenses exist uh same with music it's not an interactive media video games you are removing an, an entire element of interaction with those games when people are streaming and you're watching a streamer never mind that you're usually watching for the streamer and then you see a game like that's why I bought Among Us. That's why I've bought a number of games is because I saw streamers having fun with them. So already starting off with a bad faith argument. I mean, it's such a fucking stupid argument to bring up after we see these games like Phasmophobia and Among Us that the only reason that they took off is because streamers were showing them and like, they're like, look at this fun game. Like 
it, it's almost a marketing tactic that helps the it's a symbiotic relationship yeah there is no reason for them to, to ever have to pay <laughs> fucking developers for the basically being an, a marketing arm it, it's just so fucking dumb on so many fucking levels and fall guys and like there there are a lot of games that have benefited drastically by uh mm-hmm. being streamed <clears throat> every game does really i mean and um so obviously he came heavily heavily under fire for this statement uh one uh jacksepticeye pointed out well, hey it's kind of funny that your um <laughs> your banner picture is fan art of me <laughs> It's because he worked on um, Journey to the Savage Planet. And so Jacksepticeye played Journey to the Savage Planet. And it's a cropped. So this dude's uh, banner is cropping out any credit. And it's fan art for Jacksepticeye. Irony. And then to make things worse, he actually followed up this tweet with, anyway, gonna hop online and stream some Fall Guys who's up for it. Fucking. That's, he's just completely unaware and yeah. like, just completely un, no self awareness. He's unaware a fucking or idiot. He just wants to stir a fucking pot that he doesn't really, he doesn't actually believe this shit. Especially if he's gonna follow that up. Yeah, so Jacksepticeye chimes in, he goes, I find this thinking extremely ironic, considering you have fan art of me, a streamer, as your banner from when I played Savage Planet. You've even cropped out their watermark on the banner and haven't given them credit for for it anywhere. Very hypocritical. Yeah, yep. And uh, so as I was uh, digging through, uh, like, who the fuck is this Alec Hutchinson dude? Um I uh, came across a hot take of his from 2012 where he said, um, I need to try and find the article here. I am poorly prepared, unfortunately. Um, But he said uh, basically that um, uh, we're racist towards Japanese games. Subtle racism was was a term that he used. Um, Let's see. How? Yeah, so... <clears throat> how are you? How? how? He said... Uh, all right, Alex Hutchinson, he was also the creative director of Assassin's Creed 3, has said that he believes games journalists give Japanese developers an easy ride, exhibiting a subtle racism which is condescending to those it favors. Um, speaking in an interview with CVG, Hutchinson expressed his frustration with the press's treatment of what he sees as substandard storytelling in Japanese games. Asked about why Nintendo was able to endlessly iterate the same franchises multiple times in each and every generation, Hutchinson replied, you want my real answer? I think there's a subtle racism in the business, especially on the journalist side, where Japanese developers are forgiven for doing what they do. I think it's condescending to do this. Just think about how many Japanese games are released where their stories are literally gibberish. Literally gibberish. There's no way you could write it with a straight face. And the journalists say, oh, it is brilliant. Then Gears of War comes out, and apparently it's the worst written narrative in a game ever. I'll take Gears of War over Bayonetta any time. 
It's patronizing to say, oh, those Japanese stories, they don't really mean what they're doing. So, never mind that his statement is incredibly fucking racist. And stupid. And stupid. Very. Like, I'm... He doesn't seem, for a game developer, he doesn't seem to understand that the game is the important part of video games. Yeah. Like, it's so dumb. Like, the reason Bayonetta is better than, or could be conceived as better than God of War, or God of War, Gears of War, is not because the story is better. It's because that game is a blast to play, and a lot of the newer God of War games are not. Like, yep. Um, also, <laughs> I would rather play Bayonetta than Gears of War. Me too. I mean, that's personal preference. I know a lot of people love Gears of War, but I mean, they, I'm pretty sure both of them are extremely highly rated. Yeah. And they're very different. Yeah. yeah. Extremely, yeah. totally different games. And, uh, and um, I am not racist. Not- <laughs> I'm not exhibiting subtle racism for preferring Bayonetta over Gears of War. No. But you're exhibiting overt racism by saying that Japanese stories are gibberish and that they're not as good as American yes. stories and that critics are being uh, too ni- too nice to them. Like, it's just it's fucking idiotic. Like he, so right. his his career should have ended there or even before that, because this guy is a hot take machine, apparently. Uh, and he's the very dis- definition of failing upward. Um, he uh, is, uh, you know, somehow a creative director of uh, a video game studio. Um, oh, he does not good at what he does, but <laughs> he does not. No, he's not. Assassin's Creed three. Yeah. Talk about uh, endless iterations of a fucking played out story. Yeah, right. That's gibberish. Yeah. Gibberish. <laughs> literally gibberish they had the thing and suddenly they're in america now (laughs) (laughs) he also was a developer on spore yep um (laughs) apparently uh i've heard uh doctor um i've heard that uh he doesn't have a job anymore um he hasn't tweeted since then and his uh, his he changed uh, his bio so it no longer makes any mention of Google Stadia because Google, unsurprisingly, immediately distanced themselves from his statements. He was yeah, not. They don't, a, need a, they don't need any more uh, help making people not want to play the Stadia. Yeah, and it's important <laughs> to realize, despite the impression that his profile gave creative director at Google Stadia. He is not a creative director of Google Stadia. He is a creative director of a studio that was acquired by Google. Right. So, oh. yeah. Ah. One of those we believe that publishers and creators have a wonderful symbiotic relationship that is allowed a thriving ecosystem to be created. Yep. I'm pretty sure I already said symbiotic. This guy's just yeah. fucking dumb. <laughs> This guy is yeah. a full-on dumbass. Yep. So, may he have no further career. Um, I hope. In video games. In video games, yeah. Uh, it's time to, to go somewhere else, dude. Yeah. Or, you mm-hmm. know, um, enlighten yourself. Uh, 
you know, destined to become the assistant manager at a FedEx Kinko's. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to go get a job at EA. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. It's in the game. Yeah. EA probably calls the next day. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey. We like your attitude, son. Yeah. Tell us more about uh, charging people more money to play our games. Mm. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Tell us more about yeah. these radical ideas you have about uh, <laughs> shoveling more money into <laughs> a video game. You're going to fit in well here. Yeah. We like the cut of your jib. <laughs> you have to... Three. <laughs> uh, sorry, you can't stream this game. You have to buy the streamer DLC. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Uh, it's a monthly. It's a monthly. Don't, it's blocked. don't put that out in there. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably got like a whole bunch of unpaid interns rapidly searching the web for new ideas on how to charge more for games. They don't need our help. <laughs> Aside from the $70 uh, price point of the new generation. $70 copy and paste with unskippable ads. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's another thing that uh, we found out. Uh, NBA 2K uh, has uh, unskippable ads in its loading screens. Uh, oh, wow. Gamers yeah. uh, came across an advertisement, a uh, like filmed advertisement, a commercial, if you will, uh, for Oculus Quest 2 in the loading screen. It's a two-minute-long commercial. It's in the game. It's immersion, advertising immersion. Now, they have... super immersive. They have said that they have removed that. So... Did they not learn from the other thing? Yeah. No, No, EA's... What EA does is they try to do things without saying anything and then if people get mad they re- remove well, it that was it EA. as far as they can until there's outrage and they're like oh well it's gone now that <laughs> was, no more loot boxes that was 2k sports uh, yeah oh my bad that's right Twas not I don't know how EA. i could get those confused well, 2k is also a bunch of trash so yeah <laughs> Um, so those stores are gibberish. Okay. Mindless iteration of the same thing every year. (laughs) Nothing ever changes. Like that FIFA. No, no, no. We changed the number on the box, man. No, we put something different. Right. Um, it's the Japanese that are the problem. I, uh, also, uh, come bearing, uh, some good news. Come bearing. <laughs> so, um, we all remember PT and the beauty that was PT and the sadness that is Konami. Uh, there have been uh, rumors, and we've talked about Pachinko again. We've talked Pachinko. about we've talked about the rumors that Sony was trying to come to a deal with Konami to uh, be able to continue to make game continue to make games um, in the series that Konami owns. Uh, and uh, so I uh, this weekend got confirmation from an industry insider that uh, Sony and Konami have come to a deal on Silent Hill, and they are actually actually actively working on a new Silent Hill game. 
something good Hooray. coming out in 2020. What? So what is it's, this? it's a rumor, but uh, it's coming from someone who uh, I trust, uh, who is uh, with a, a major studio. And if they're wrong, then we'll throw them under a literal bus. Yeah, so Ryan's <laughs> own quote that Nintendo says it's coming out for sure. <laughs> <laughs> he, told, he told me that Sonic is going to be in it. <laughs> and uh, we also received uh, word from uh, Hideo Kojima that he is working on a new game. But that's literally all the information that we got. So I'm kind of hoping that these two sort of correlate and that new game is silent hill because uh, it's obvious that sony saw the the popularity of pt and the potential there so uh, nah, has, next- has anyone hit up guillermo del toro yeah right <laughs> this next day i don't think that's the case so he's he's conquered the world of uh a fedex game simulators <laughs> now he's moving on to the high stakes world of uh of uh uh, like a cooking simulator or something <laughs> like that. No, cooking. no, Subway Sandwich Artist Simulator. <laughs> cooking Mama, solid and liquid. <laughs> solid <laughs> Mama, what are you doing? <laughs> there will be a two-hour movie to start out the game, of course. <laughs> um, and uh, in entertainment news... Um, there is a rumor that a Batman Beyond series is being worked on for HBO yes. Max. Yes. And that Michael Keaton will be playing yes. Bruce Wayne. Thank you. I'm so excited for that. It is a rumor. Is it, is it Nothing has been formally animated? announced. I don't believe so, no. Whoa. Yeah. So that if, if that's real, I am. Super fucking stoked for it. Like, that would be amazing. Didn't we talk about this, like, specifically? Was it last week's podcast, or were we talking about that on Wednesday? We, like, uh, I, I I can't remember, but I remember Batman Beyond coming up in conversation recently. And we even said, like, Michael Keaton would be a great yep. older Wayne. <laughs> and apparently he is officially signed on board to appear as Bruce Wayne in uh, a Flash thing, in something for the Flash. Oh, so, yeah. so oh for um, yeah. crisis like a crisis on infinite crisis on infinite earth but they kind of they already did crisis on infinite earths in uh the wb uh properties yeah um, but aren't the tv series and the movies pretty separate yeah but i i don't know so, if they're going to are they do it, it, like do we know that they're doing crisis on infinite earths for the cinematic universe I don't know. DC doesn't. DC tends to just do whatever and not follow any plans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've got yeah, you know, plenty of crises for sure. And DC make make more movies, and we'll make the action figures or whatever, and then we can figure it out later in that stage. <laughs> they uh, they're they're putting uh, Jared Leto's Joker into the Zack Snyder <laughs> uh, cut of. Justice League. That's pretty cool. It's exciting. And they're also putting uh, um, they're putting Joe Mango as Deathstroke in there as well. Hmm. Joe Manginiello. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, I thought you were actually. I thought Joe Mango was a person. I was very <laughs> no, like that. He, sounds like a cool supervillain to me. He plays. Joe it's, it's the guy who plays like a college friend of Marshall's on How I Met Your Mother. Uh, he's an incredibly funny, uh, traditionally handsome dude. Uh, like ripped dude. Also, he was part of that whole. Are we talking about me now. <laughs> he was part of that whole there was uh someone some fucking weightlifter or whatever uh posted a picture of themselves like in front of the mirror shirtless you know rippled muscles says i don't play dungeons and dragons and joe manjuli no 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 uh tweeted in response uh a picture of a cover of health and fitness that he is on the cover of and says i do <laughs> yes i love you it know who else does? vin diesel yep yeah vin diesel's a huge dnd nerd and i love it yeah he is i've heard i've heard from other celebrities that he's a poser that vin like diesel a is a poser that's a shocker and he's what next you're gonna tell me he's got like fragile masculinity <laughs> it would make me sad if he was actually po- a poser nerd i thought he was one of us i mean i'm not saying he isn't but i think it was like stephen colbert was like talking shit or something like that it's just like yeah, <laughs> if stephen colbert was talking shit he's probably kidding yeah well. I believe things that everyone says on television. That's why I'm an American. <laughs> That's how we've got to this point in the world, Brooks. <laughs> I am a real American. <laughs> believe all That's the a- bullshit for every man. One of my clients, uh, that's his ringtone for when his mom calls. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like the real song. Yeah, it's great. Oh, yeah. So did, you- singing it. did you guys... Did you guys uh, listen to Vin Diesel's new banging track? No, I didn't know he had a banging track. It's called "Like I Do" or "Feel Like Feel Like." What is it? It's kind of like Euro trash EDM song, isn't it? Yeah. Feel like I do. So I'll I'll play a little bit of this. Hopefully, we won't feel like I do. Is is a, the, does it come with subtitles? <laughs> hopefully. Uh, we don't get flagged for this, but whatever. It's not like we're monetizing anything anyway. Family. It's a jam. It's a mood. That's Vin Diesel. That's Vin Diesel. I mean, you can hear it because of the way Vin Diesel talks. Like his voice lives right at the back of his palate in the in the high bit. It's like that always phlegmy. That is a song. Yeah, it is a song. It is indeed a song. So. I was kind of hoping it was just going to be him going. So yeah, I mean it's Man, inter- this just makes you want to get on a stationary bike and just start going. Inoffensive <laughs> pop music, like it's you know whatever. 
I mean, it makes sense that he'd be into music. He already stole his look from Right Said Fred. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I I know. That it was going to be Vin Diesel going Groot, Groot, Groot. (laughs) (laughs) I am Groot, 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 Groot. Uh, he needs to do a like a spoof cover of his own song. I honestly <laughs> want to see him do a cover of Right Said Fred now. <laughs> I'm too sexy for my shirt. <laughs> too sexy for my shirt. So sexy it hurts. Yeah, I'm a model. You know what I mean? And I do my little turn on the catwalk. On the catwalk. On the catwalk, yeah. Oh man. Welcome to musical topless robot. That song <laughs> that song ends perfectly. I'm too sexy for this song. Yep. Mm-hmm. So- Is that why the robot is topless because he was too sexy for his shirt. <laughs> uh, no, too he's sexy too for sexy head. for his head. Exactly. Right said head. <laughs> <laughs> Context. <laughs> so, oh my God. Um, we uh, streamed Phasmophobia on uh, Tuesday. That Look was a lot of fun. Face. Look at his face. Uh, and uh, you can see the VOD of that uh, stream on our YouTube channel or on our Facebook page. Uh, and we are going to be doing more streaming in Phasmophobia. Because it Dream makes it like a little baby. Yeah, we you have a it, new. You should call it the uh, the topless robot live scream. Yes, uh, because no one else has done that. <laughs> By um, Jove, that, I, that's the most original idea I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> All right, I'm going to excuse myself. Sorry. It's a spoopy <laughs> live scream. <laughs> no, come back, Kaylin. <laughs> but now... Speaking of I which, didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Have uh, you guys seen Ghosts on HBO Max yet? Seen what? No. Uh, it's a show called Ghosts. Uh, it's just like it's like brand new. This like BBC show just came out. Uh-uh. Uh It's it's hilarious. It's like uh, there's all these ghosts that are haunting this house. It's like an old house. So all these people who were murdered there or died. Uh, have to deal with uh, uh, new people moving in and one of the residents like almost dies on the property and now she can see him. It's fucking hilarious. Hmm. Uh, one of They're my favorite shows like that was a Hulu original uh, called Deadbeat um, which oh, yeah, yeah. was really really funny um, uh, with Tyler Labine who is always great. He was in Reaper and uh, he was in Sons of Tucson, um, but yeah, uh, Deadbeat is is also uh, a good seasonal series. Um, Everyone should watch what we do in the shadows as well. Of course. <laughs> I, so yeah, Hulu, I, I can't wait for that third season. Hulu kind of surprise dropped 
at least I, it was a surprise to me. Uh, maybe I'm just not paying close enough attention to Marvel news, but uh, they surprise dropped a series called Hellstrom. Uh, which is that. based on, I had no idea, based on a Marvel comic book uh, where um, these uh, two kids, uh, their mom is possessed and their dad was a serial killer. And uh, they both have powers and not a great relationship because the sister was kidnapped uh, by the serial killer father when she was very young. And was made basically with him when he was doing all the killing. So it's it's, really horrible reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? So (laughs) far, I'm interested. Like I, I I saw a little bit of it at work with uh, one of my coworkers. He's pretty into it, but it doesn't seem like it's my kind of bag. I'm into it. it. It's, it's, it feels like it has potential. I like the idea, and um, th- I like the actors. The actors are, are are very decent. So, speaking of uh, superhero shows, uh, I saw there's confirmation that there's going to be a uh, a uh, not Flash, not Green Arrow, Green Lantern uh, TV show. On- oh yeah, 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 really? Yeah, gonna get uh, Ryan Reynolds. I hope so. <laughs> but and Ryan now, Reynolds, I'm, I'm, even Ryan Reynolds couldn't save casting for it, didn't they? What's that? They announced some sort of casting for it, right? Did for they? the Green Lantern. I don't know. I'm I curious to see which which lantern Maybe I'm which lanterns are gonna introduce. So Green Lantern series uh, gets green lit green light at HBO Max. <laughs> Seth Graham Smith and Mark Guggenheim to write. Seth Graham Smith, that name is familiar. Uh, what else have they done? There's apparently going to be multiple. Abraham uh, Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, Pride and Prejudice, and Zombies. Well, Are they I, hope, do I hope that it doesn't take itself too seriously because that's DC's biggest failing is that they are so yeah. sour. Yeah, okay. So he's the writer of the, the novels, the Pride and Prejudice and, uh, and Zombies and uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. He invented a whole, uh, basically a, a genre of, of, you know, stories mm-hmm. by doing those kind of stories. I remember when those became popular. Ooh. They're going to uh, display, just uh, depict a whole bunch of the uh, lanterns. Guy Gardner, Jessica Cruz, Simon, yes. Alan Scott. This is um, interesting. And Kilowog will be in here, too. So it shows on his uh, wiki page in the in his filmography in the to be announced category for when when it's going to be released. Untitled Beetlejuice sequel. Ooh. He's going to be writing that. Uh, and he's a producer on an untitled Gremlins film and a producer on Kung Fury 2. Are you talking about Ryan Gra- Seth Graham Smith? Seth Graham Mark Smith, Guggenheim? yeah. Okay. Mark Guggenheim was the, uh, the uh, uh, showrunner for Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> he also co-wrote cool. the Green Lantern film. <laughs> Maybe lightning will strike twice. Fuck. I kind of hope it gets. It's just as bad. I hope. Part of me wish hopes that (laughs) to uh, continue the run of 
comic movie writers that have failed at the same thing twice, like the writer for uh, X Men Three slash <laughs> X Men Dark Phoenix. <laughs> oh, I didn't uh, didn't see the news of this either. Uh, it was recently announced James Gunn is working on a series spinoff of his Suicide Squad film with John Cena attached to star. Hooray! I'm actually kind of all about that. I love John Cena and I love uh, James Gunn. It'll be weird. Well, I, I, I've never seen a movie with him in it. <laughs> I knew it. Dude, I knew it would be you. All, would of be you. Had, all of us had a joke there. You know, <sighs> we just, we just got, it just got beat. We just got beaten to the punch. <laughs> the worst, the absolute worst. <laughs> You have a button that can actually represent that, Ryan. I feel better now having dealt with that groan. Um, you, you need a toilet flushing sound for that. Yeah, right. You really you need a bunch actually... of sounds that sound like a live studio audience so they can all go, oh. <laughs> What I, I need to do flaps. is replace... Oh no! Yeah, I need oh, to replace no. it with uh, with the new scream, the new genuine terror stre- uh, scream. Could have both. Huh. <laughs> Why not both? Flare them. It's like here, right? Yeah, here it comes. Nope. <laughs> it's very hard. There it is. Right here. <laughs> That's the fucking scream. I'm glad that I bring you all entertainment, you sons of bitches. <laughs> I'm not entertained. Your shrill laughter brings no joy to my ears, only pain. <laughs> I, I bet Kalis thinks, is probably laughing his ass off in his room when he's hearing me play that fucking <laughs> The amount of times that I have thrown my fucking headphones off because they scare the shit out of me <laughs> is too fucking high. My oh, throat God. hurt the next day because of all my yelling. <laughs> this oh, it's so good though. It's so good. Tis the most terrifying time of the year. Uh, <laughs> the most wonderful time of the year, I think, is what you mean. Yes, because Christmas is coming. Spooky season. No. Spooky, scary skeletons. I know. It's it's like, uh, you know, we're going to have to worry about Tyler and those birds that he think are bats again. They're bats. <laughs> They're bats. It's a fucking Spooky bat. birds that get silhouetted against the moon. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good name for a, a bat. A spooky bird. That's what it is. It was a bat. <laughs> Bats are not spooky birds. They're not even <laughs> birds. Not even a little bit. It was a bat. Birds aren't real. Exactly. It was a bat. <laughs> <laughs> Lawyer. You're hurting me. <laughs> you've you've proven my theory. <laughs> what else happened this week? I had some things. 
Oh, uh, Quibi's Quibi's. Oh yeah, Quibi's uh, dead. Dying. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Six months. Six. Yeah. I, I mean, from the fucking beginning, we are all like, "Why?" When you when you announce a streaming service and everyone is like, is just says, "Why?" You know, you made a fucking mistake. Like, and now that I think, so sad. I've been thinking about this. Uh, like, how good does a show sound with? Uh, um oh god it's got a uh, caitlin olsen and uh bu- 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 full house no uh <laughs> caitlin olsen from it's always sunny and uh god i'm blanking on his name he's like one of my favorite oh uh, one of my favorite actors ever uh, clearly oh you really must like uh, from M- mcgruber snl Oh, um, Will Forte. Will Will Forte. Yeah, th- there's a show on Quibi, Will Forte and Caitlin Olsen. Uh, and it's just like, that's like, they're two very hilarious people. And that sounds like it would be a really funny show, but it was on fucking Quibi. So, yep. well, and they brought back uh, Reno 911. Um, mm-hmm. And they've got that uh, uh, series where uh, What's Her Face, uh, who I really fucking love, Anna Kendrick. Um uh befriends a sex doll it's called dummy and there's yeah, that they a lot that, of money and it's like there's stupid. that that one series about the woman with the gold arm who's like who's dying because of her gold arm <laughs> and she's just like what whatever you do promise me you'll bury me with my gold arm like it's seriously some of the stupidest bullshit ever. My gold arm. That sounds bad. Kind of. I thought that was going to be like a C three PO joke or something, but that would be his red arm. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, Quibi <laughs> was destined for failure. Out. They have three hundred and fifty million dollars left of the like two billion dollars that they raised in startup capital um and uh so um i guess they're planning on giving that back i I don't i don't even know like they're they're fucked and they're trying uh to sell um the content that they did produce. They're trying to sell the properties that, that they hold and, and the content that they did produce. Uh, but so far have no buyers. They've already yeah, approached no Netflix about it. They've already approached um, uh, Hulu and, and a bunch of, you know, streamers out there. And uh, what yeah. That? yeah. What's that called when like your business model uh, or your whole existence, your, their Quibi, and then they ended up being a quibby. What's that? Is there a term for that? <laughs> they they themselves ended up being a quick bite. Yeah. Yeah. Irony. <laughs> Shot and prod. <laughs> no, that's the pleasure that we're experiencing right now. Oh right, right, right. It was ironic how quick they died. Giving that actually is a good example of irony, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah and okay. it's. Oh, just uh, so everyone. So it actually kind of it makes me laugh because Jeffrey Katzenberg, the old owner or CEO of Walt Disney, 
was the the primary founder for it. Yep. He's kind of always been a dick bag. So and wasn't so I believe uh, the statement that he made was something like, you know, uh, we faced uh, a lot of challenges in uh, launching this. Uh, you know, um, I think that it came down to a couple of things. Uh, one was, you know, our uh, our strategy and but the other was you know we certainly weren't helped by by uh launching during a pandemic but then he immediately follows that like first off starting a streaming service during a pandemic is the perfect fucking time to start a a streaming service uh animal crossing did as well as it did because it it released during a pandemic um the but the um he immediately discounts what he said by saying but we know other people have managed to uh succeed during this time we however have not so acknowledging that yeah while the pandemic may have had some impact on certain aspects of your launch it's other people are 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 fine other companies have managed to tread these HBO waters Max seems to be doing okay yeah yeah launch during a pandemic so quibi was destined to fail because there's no, no market for that it. there's no market for it you know and who knows maybe our attention spans will get low enough where a five minute video will at one point feel like long form um but that time free. is not now also, mm. I mean, that's that. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think that capitalizing on our shortened ex- uh, attention spans is strictly ethical. I guess <laughs> not ethical. It's not the word I'm looking for. I guess it's depressing. <laughs> no I mean, sure, it is probably What's a little depressing. Like, we know you're fucking stupid, so here you go. Here's an easier to digest. Media form because you're Man, I, sit there and watch. I just, I, just, I just binged five minutes of this Quibi of, of this uh, or five series of this Quibi uh, Quibi show, and uh, it only took me about a half hour. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, and, and you know I do like short things. Uh, there was this show I really enjoyed on Netflix. Uh, it's Bruno. It has a dog that looks a lot like my dog in it. It's really good if you haven't checked it out on Netflix. But all the episodes are like eight minutes long and it's uh it's very enjoyable that way yeah and there are plenty of things that uh are i mean shit look at a lot of the cartoon network stuff you know their episode length adventure time is a 15 minute yeah adventure time is a 15 minute an episode series which is amazing when you think about it considering what they manage to pack into each episode um it doesn't they don't feel like 15 minute episodes you know yeah yeah 11 minutes with ads um but no, but I just don't think service around it. Yeah, no, I, I and like I'm never choosing to yeah. watch an episode of a thing on my cell phone. No, and 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 it, yeah. you're the, the the property or the, you know the media itself. And the, if naturally it benefits from a you know short uh, runtime, then you know that you can't. But you can't force it into five minute you know increments. Yeah. Like it's just like. It's stupid, but if it naturally happens, like that's great. Yeah, I think the weird the weird thing is like, it's like they made this thing and we're like being like, 
oh, there's a, <laughs> there's a market for people who only want to watch short things. Like Netflix isn't allowed to release things that are short. Episodes. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I mean Netflix. Really, well, you have if you have some cool ideas that are short, pitch it there. Netflix <laughs> can. Hulu does. Like there, mm-hmm. there are four minute long horror shorts on Hulu. Yeah, those by the bite size Halloween is so fucking good. And it's really good. The, but like they're not building their entire brand identity on it because right, that would be stupid. So <laughs> it'd be it. I mean, as we've seen with Quibi, it's fucking stupid. <laughs> So rest in peace, Quibi. We hardly knew you in that literally none of us watched you. Yep. What were you talking about again? <laughs> you know what? It, I get confused. Um, and what's actually a nice little uh, on-demand streaming service uh, is Tubi. Oh, sure. They've got, some, oh, yeah, yeah, they've, yeah. Got a, they've got some nice old anime on there. And... Uh, a decent collection of, of shows and stuff and, and movies. Uh, I like it for the, they've got a bunch of anime on there. That's decent, but uh Tubi, it's great, but I always get confused. I'll see like a thing for Tubi. I'm like, is this Quibi? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I was thinking about it. I think that uh, the death of Quibi, I think that's the first streaming service that we've seen fold. Can you guys think of any other video streaming services like platforms that have had to fold? Um, not really. I think, uh, I, you know, there's probably some channels out there like, uh, and I know CBS all CBS still has theirs and stuff like that, but I'm sure some of them have tried to like make their content a proprietary streaming service. And then eventually they're just like, yeah, we'll put it on Hulu. We'll partner. It. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But- in a, in a a landscape where <coughs> Crackle can still exist, mm-hmm. I oh, yeah, think I it's pretty impossible to fail in the streaming. You know, like do what you just the, have to what have was the, the going monthly rate for a, a Queeby? I think it was five or ten dollars a month. Uh, they were giving a, a five dollars a month with ads. Ad free is eight dollars a month. So the ads, how, like they were as long as the shows. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, like people are people are willing to watch ads if shit's free. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and like, that's that's why Gooby and Crackle and stuff like that. They're like they're absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, VRV rebranded. I think they were something else before. Verve. Verve I think they were didn't like, rebrand. Verve they was were something else. Verve was born out of Crunchyroll. Verve was never something else. It was created by Crunchyroll. I thought there was something because I remember watching Harmon Quest on there, and, and it used to be something. Harmon Quest, Harman used, to Quest something else. used to be on something else. Harmon Quest. Harmon Quest. Harmon Quest was on the the comedy, the defunct comedy channel. Um, what the fuck did they call CISO? CISO, that's what it was. So uh, CISO was not a platform. CISO was a channel. Um, and that folded, yeah. But that's the CISO properties got bought out by Verve. Or, or not Verve, even. 
Um, actually, yeah, it may have been Verve because I think the CISO properties show up on there as like Verve originals or whatever. But Verve yeah. was created by Crunchyroll and acts as kind of like a Hulu for more obscure channels. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. I I just couldn't remember how that ended up happening. <laughs> That's really like Pluto TV. That's a really nice free. Uh, and they're interesting because they're a streaming service, but they also have channels, like curated channels. Like there's a Mystery Science Theater channel on Pluto TV. It's free, and they just play uh, Mystery Science Theater all, all day. Or you can watch a bunch of their movies on demand. So you can do yeah. both. Both There's all sorts of cool uh, curated. There's like a Bond channel where it's something with James Bond movies all day. Like that's, <laughs> And it's all totally free. Pluto TV, it's actually really dope. I found it really uh, weird that like, so now all TVs have the like TV plus on them, which is just internet TV. So you end up with like fail army and shit like that channels. And, and it, which is really bizarre. Uh, but what was even more bizarre to me was to learn that I guess Fail Army must be an NBC property because Peacock, Peacock. Yeah, Peacock lets you go through the live channels that are NBC owned, and one of them is Fail Army. Do you think Peacock is doing well? Is that do you have it? I do have do it. I think uh, their content's good. Uh, the fact that they had, like, they've got so much um, Tonight Show with Carson. Like, to go back and watch that old Carson stuff and seeing, like, young George Carlin do the hippy-dippy weatherman and shit like that. Like, that's really cool to be able to go back to. I just wish it was all still on Hulu. <laughs> it's it's annoying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, NBC was... Uh, a Hulu partner, I think, or was one of the founders of, of Hulu. Cause I know Hulu was a joint effort among a bunch of, uh, different, uh, networks, but, um, honestly, you know, like I still haven't finished uh, brave new world, but, um, everything that I've seen in brave new world is actually really decent. Like it was a, a decent original series. Um, plus uh, Peacock has some old series that I just, love being able to revisit now like sequest dsv and uh, um uh the warehouse or warehouse 13 and eureka and shit like that like eureka is on amazon prime but um you know it's there there's a a lot of stuff that um is actually pretty decent on on peacock I think they're getting they're going to be getting friends too and Parks and Rec. That would make sense. Probably waiting for license deals to expire. Yeah, Netflix. I think this month was the last month that uh, Parks and Rec was on there, which makes me sad. The office is leaving in the end of the year. Netflix about to lose some uh, (laughs) some repeat viewers there. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it was inevitable. It was to be expected. Uh, it's a good thing that Netflix has such a strong bank of originals as well. Uh, if they just stop fucking canceling all of them after three seasons. I'm a little shocked that they canceled altered carbon. Altered carbon season two did not do well. They did. Oh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't the It wasn't bad. as good as the first season. 
Yeah, but no. I feel like they could have, unless they just didn't have anywhere else to go. And I like, love Anthony Mackie. Like that's not to say anything for his performance or anything like that. I I think that it would just the pacing was bad, um, and yeah. it wasn't as engaging as as the first season. The first season, I was fucking in it, man. Like that mm-hmm. gripped me. But uh, season two, it was it, I don't know, man. The pacing just felt off. It didn't, yeah, didn't yeah, stick I with me. It's uh, I was like racking my brain when I was watching uh, Hamilton and I was like, oh, my God, that's Cal Chris Falconer from Altered Carbon. Yeah. Who, I was like, well, <laughs> um, I think I am most um, upset about the cancellation of. Uh, oh, what the hell is the name of the series? I'm not OK. Um. I was bummed about the Santa Clarita diet getting canceled. I was super bummed about Santa Clarita diet. I love that series so much. Um, what the fuck? Netflix. I'm not. I'm not okay with this. Uh, with the uh, redhead girl from It. Um, it's a superhero story, kind of, in an awkward lesbian body. Um, it is a great first season i was seriously excited to see what where they were going to take it and now i just won't which sucks it does suck fucking netflix yup and who knows when we're going to get season four of stranger things i know that they started production up again uh but i don't know when they're aiming to release that so it just seems weird that they don't let these series breathe a little bit. At least give them a couple seasons. Well, they usually do. That, uh, apparently, uh, it's policy. Like their policy is three seasons. Because then they have to renegotiate contracts and shit like that. So a lot of it has to do with them not wanting to pay the actors more. Yeah, and I mean sense. we've seen how that goes. Seinfeld went through that same thing. Uh, the Simpsons almost got canceled over the same thing. Which would be ridiculous. Could you imagine if that happened? <laughs> Honestly, it should have happened probably 20 years ago. Well, uh, tw- uh, yeah, not 20. Uh, like 15. Yeah, but... <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> Beautiful. Honestly, I think that Futurama should have lasted significantly longer than it did. All the 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 revitalizations of it were so good, though, against like all the odds. Yeah. So I still just want more never, Futurama. No, you never know. I mean, if if uh, if Disney were smart, they would fucking bring that shit back. Oh, like yeah. they're doing with Adventure Time. Um, and uh, I mean, Animaniacs is coming back uh next month at the end of next month. Yeah, so that's so be cool that they. Great. I'm so fucking excited for that. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Uh, that one's long overdue. Great. I feel uh, that was probably some of the best children's programming out of the '90s, hands down. Hello, bring Ned. back Freakazoid. Yes. Yeah, I Freakazoid. super want uh, Freakazoid back <laughs> as well. Freak you. <laughs> <laughs> Runs around in underwear. Freakazoid. <laughs> Freakazoid. 
<laughs> oh <Big> man, man. <laughs> it's been uh really pleasant uh being facebook friends with uh, the creator of all those series uh tom rugger uh or ruger um because uh he is very politically vocal and it <laughs> makes me extremely happy because he's politically vocal the right way and it makes me the left way yes uh <laughs> it makes me very interested to see what's going to pop up in animaniacs because animaniacs has always had sort of a subversive way of dealing with politics and and things like that and has touched on political uh, and adult topics in really entertaining ways that probably go over kids heads you know for the full depth of of what they're doing but is still enjoyable to kids so like does anyone know if any kid like cared about the fact that Bill Clinton is in you know, playing the sax in in the intro of Animaniacs like why uh, I mean I, I knew when I was a kid that he played the saxophone so it made sense to me sure but it it's like thing. did anyone second guess like why there was anything political in Anim- Animaniacs right oh no because now it'd be people would be in an uproar the yeah uh, the right wing people would be Curious. I'm just waiting for it to come out and, uh, you know, people to start chastising. Don't be, don't get political, Animaniacs. I have They're always been political. They're indoctrinating our children with yeah. Bill Clinton and saxophone. I mean, politics have uh, arguably been in kids' media for a very long time. I'm just a Bill. Yes, I'm only a Bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. I love that show. You yeah. almost nailed that. <laughs> <laughs> Schoolhouse Rock was fantastic. Yeah. Um, do you remember pieces. the Schoolhouse Rock uh, cover album? Yeah. <laughs> Blind Melon did a cover of Three is a Magic Number. Uh, I can't remember the full track list, but like popular bands doing schoolhouse rock covers. Yeah, right. Now I need to see schoolhouse rock. Man or Astro Man. Let's see. Blind Melon, Better Than Ezra, Goodness, Pavement, Ween, The Lemonheads, Bismarcky, Chavez, Moby, Man or Astro Man, Buffalo Tom, Daniel Johnston, Skilo. Jeez, hello. That, that that's a very very uh, of its time list, is it not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me guess. This came out in the nineties, right? Oh yeah, nineteen ninety six. Has like real nineties right there. Oh wow! And uh, three is a magic number. Was uh, one of the last recordings uh, made by Blind Melon singer before he died. They did deluxe folk implosion. Did I'm just a bill? <laughs> yeah. Better than Ezra did conjunction junction. I need to go back and hear this again. <laughs> and Ween Ween did the shot heard around the world. Oh, that's so fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> he said Ween. <laughs> <sighs> yes, I did. Ween is a band. Bum, 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 bum. Wow. 
So totally random and not related to music or movies or TV shows. Uh, Developer Digital bought uh, the the Serious Sam studio. It didn't. Crow. Crow Team. Crow. Crow Team. Wasn't Crow Team already part of Devolver Digital? Because Devolver Digital Uh, published all of the Serious Sam games. Yeah, apparently they just. Okay, because they've been working together, but now they're all going to be the same thing. Interesting. Okay. okay. Hmm. I feel like, so Crow Team also did the Turing test, didn't they? I don't know. Pretty sure. Oh, Talos Principle. That's the one that I uh, was thinking about. Crow Team did Talos Principle and uh, um, Serious Sam. Those are what they're most well known for. Uh, apparently they're the game. All right. So here's the games they developed 1994 football glory for the Amiga and MS DOS 1995 save the earth five, a soccer. And then they got into serious Sam first encounter, serious Sam second encounter, serious Sam two, serious Sam three BFE, tell us principle, serious Sam four. So it looks like they dabbled in some, shovelware in the 90s <laughs> until finally doing Serious Sam in 2001. And then they became the Serious Sam studio. <laughs> oh, yeah, they just they released are. the new one, right? Uh, that's not out Serious yet, but it is coming. Hmm. Serious Sam 4. Uh, More of the Sam. And all of the Serious Sam games are available in VR. Ooh. Mm-hmm. All the Sam. It's released. Is it released? Yeah, I read a review on it. I figured, oh, maybe, yeah, I just went to Steam and it was showing it. I was like, I figured I, I would it was see just it. Kind of the Sam old thing. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> When well, did that come out? That must have come out real recently then. Yeah, September 24th, only a month ago. Oh, wow. That's been out for a month? Holy shit. God, I am out of touch. <laughs> Our fearless leader. Look, I can only do so much. There is. I can't believe we haven't been talking about Serious Sam on this podcast for the last few weeks when we could have. <laughs> yeah, come on, Ryan. Honestly, I probably Seriously. I should have bought Serious Sam. I thought Phasmophobia was just a placeholder for the next serious Sam. <laughs> <laughs> One day we'll log in. It's time to get serious. Yeah. Time to get serious. Your character's head will just like rotate and look into your eyes. <laughs> it's time to get serious. And then it'll <laughs> turn into serious Sam. That'd actually be really terrifying. I'd honestly scream probably. I was in the middle of a fucking haunted asylum and it, my avatar's head just turned its head at me. <laughs> so um, uh, we have gotten to the end of uh, the podcast. However, since next weekend is Halloween, <gasps> I thought that I would read a creepypasta for, to you guys. And you guys can feel free to 
chime in and crack okay. jokes. Hold on one sec. I gotta get something. Oh no. <laughs> Is that your thunder shirt? <laughs> <laughs> I'm All good right. to go. I'm gonna turn this down. Can I turn the lights off? Yeah. Yes. Oh wait, hold on. You, you got you got to you got to do the flashlight thing. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm just gonna <laughs> oh, try. I didn't mean to talk to everybody. Sorry about that. <laughs> I'm gonna try and get some mood lighting in here. Ooh. I wasn't expecting. Like, all right. So I I have read this creepypasta before. So if uh, you have ever listened to me narrate creepypastas, you've probably heard this story before. Um, but it's a good one, I think. It's Just a very recording. good one. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I really enjoy this one. This is the remastered version. Nice. This is called <laughs> "If You're Armed and at the Glenmont Metro, Please Shoot Me." Dream Drop Distance Double Extra Master. <laughs> Director's game. If you're armed and at the Glenmont Metro, please shoot me. Make it a headshot. Shoot me in the temple, aiming slightly downwards. I need the bullet to travel the shortest possible distance through my brain before it hits my hippocampus. If I'm lucky, the sensation of the gunshot ripping through my skull will only last a few decades. As sounds awful about, as this sounds... Like what was that? Sounds about like how I'm feeling right about now. Or maybe <laughs> as awful as this sounds, you'll be doing me an enormous favor. Death by a headshot, as soon as possible, is vastly better than the alternative. My ordeal started over 10,000 years ago at 10.15 this morning. I earn extra money by participating in drug trials. I'm a so-called healthy subject who takes experimental drugs to help assess side effects. Once it was a kidney drug. A few times it's been something for blood pressure or cholesterol. This morning they told me the drug I took was a psychoactive substance intended to accelerate brain function. None of the drugs I had tested so far have ever done anything for me, in the recreational sense. In other words, none of the drugs I've tested have given me a killer buzz or mellowed me out or anything. Maybe I've always ended up in the placebo group, but nothing I've tested had affected me at all. Today's drug... What? Kind of weird that he was expecting that. Uh, he was kind of weird that he was expecting cholesterol drugs to give him a buzz. But continue. <laughs> yeah, that Lipitor high is crazy. <laughs> Today's drug was different. This shit worked. They gave me a pill at ten fifteen and told me to hang out in the waiting room until they called me back for some tests. Only about thirty minutes. The research assistant told me. I flopped onto the waiting room couch and read a few articles from a copy of Psychology Today that was fit sitting on the coffee table. They hadn't called me back when I finished the Psychology Today, so I picked up a U.S. news and read it cover to cover. Then I read an old Scientific American. What was taking them so damn long? I sluggishly turned my head to look at the wall clock. It was only 10.23 a.m. I had read all three magazines in eight minutes. I remember thinking this was going to be a long day. I was right. The waiting room had a little bookshelf with some used hardcovers on it. When I stood up to walk to the bookshelf, it felt like my legs barely worked. It's not that they were weak. They were just slow. It took a full minute just to stand up off the couch and another minute to take two steps to the bookcase. I scanned the old books on the shelf and picked out a copy of Moby Dick. 
My arms had the same problems as my legs. Just reaching one foot in front of me to grab the book took a long time. I actually got bored just waiting for my hand to reach the spine of the book. I slogged back to the couch and collapsed onto it in a slow-motion fall that reminded me of the low-gravity hops of astronauts on the moon. I opened Moby Dick, slowly, and began reading. I started with Call Me Ishmael and got as far as Ahab throwing his pipe into the sea, which was all the way to friggin' chapter 30 before they called me back. How are you feeling? The research assistant asked me. I feel slow, I said. Actually, it's the other way around. Everything seems slow because you're so fast. But my legs, my arms, they're moving in slow motion. Your body seems like it's moving slowly because your brain is fast. Your brain is running 10 or 20 times faster than normal. You're thinking and perceiving reality at an accelerated pace. But your body is still constrained by the laws of biomechanics. Frankly, you're moving much faster than a normal person. She pantomimed a jogging motion. But your brain is running so much faster right now that even your fast walk seems very slow to you. I thought about my slow motion flop onto the waiting room couch. Even if my muscles had slowed, me, slowed down, my body would still react to gravity the same way. But in the waiting room, I even fell in slow motion. Slow muscles couldn't explain why gravity seemed weaker. My brain was going to warp 10. That's how I managed to read three magazines in the first 30 chapters of Moby Dick in 15 minutes. They ran a series of tests on me. The physical tests were fun. They made me juggle three balls, then four, then six... I had no problem keeping six balls in the air because they seemed to be moving so slowly. It was boring, frankly, waiting for each ball to move through its arc so I could catch it with my slow-motion hands and toss it back into the air. They threw Cheerios in the air, and I caught them with chopsticks. They dropped a handful of coins, and I counted the total value before they hit the ground. The cognitive tests were less fun, but very illuminating. Finish a 50-word search. Three seconds. Solve an intricate maze drawn into a poster-sized paper. Two seconds. View a slide show projected at 10 images per second and answer detailed questions about what I saw. 95% correct. They told me I measured over 250 on the NOP scale. Apparently that's deep into the superhuman range of thinking speeds. Then they sent me home. It'll wear off in a few hours, they said, which will seem like days to you. Try to use the residual effects to get some work done. Catch up on work emails while you're still in high-speed mode. The ride home was horrible. It was only three metro stops, and in real-world time, it only took about 35 minutes. But in my drug-accelerated hypertime, it felt like days. Days. Just walking out of the medical research suite to the elevator seemed like it took an hour. I sprinted out of the office, willing my legs to push me faster. But the laws of biomechanics held me prisoner. As accelerated as my brain was, I couldn't do anything to make my legs work faster. The huge dis disconnect between my body and mind made it extremely difficult to judge how and when to slow down, turn, or rotate my body. I had basically turned into giant slow-motion spaz. I misjudged my speed and rammed into the wall by the elevator button at a pretty good speed. Even though I could see the wall coming at me, I couldn't make my finger outstretched to hit the elevator button, move away fast enough, and I jammed it against the wall. Hard. The pain was intense. 
If my brain had been running at regular speed, it probably only would have hurt for 30 seconds or so. But in my accelerated state, the intense pain seemed to last for half an hour, 45 minutes maybe. The elevator ride was horrible. It felt like I spent four or five hours just descending seven floors with nothing to do, nothing to look at but the interior of the elevator car. I sprinted to the metro station. I have to admit, this part was almost fun. Even though my body moved at what seemed to me super slow speed, I could still carefully choose how and where to place my feet, swing my arms, and turn my torso. It only took a block or two to get used to having a brain that ran two dozen times faster than my body. Then I basically sprint danced the rest of the way, twisting and juking between people on the sidewalk and dodging moving cars within inches, aka minutes, of clearance. I spent an hour, in my time frame, descending into the subway and running to the platform. Endless tedium waiting the six minutes for the red line train to arrive. Although there was more to look at on the metro platform than inside the elevator, it was still intensely boring. I should have stolen that copy of Moby Dick. The red line train roared into the station in slow motion. The normally high-pitched squeal of its brakes was frequency shifted by my high-speed mind to a long, low tone, like a monotone tuba solo. It wasn't just the squealing subway train that was three octaves lower than normal. All sound was slowed to the point of near inaudibility. Voices were gone, shifted below the threshold frequency of my hearing. I did manage to hear a screaming baby on my subway car. Her shrieks slowed to sound like whale songs. Sharp (laughs) sounds like a car horns and trucks bouncing over potholes were low, muddied roars like distant thunder. Back at the research offices, I could still hear and communicate with the research staff, but now verbal communication with anyone would be impossible. The effects of the drug were still intensifying. I spent what seemed like days on that fucking redline train. Days. Listening to the whale song of the screaming baby and the tuba solo of the brakes, where ordinary voices were frequency shifted out of my audio range. Smells didn't seem to be affected. I never became nose blind to the body odor, the stench of the train's brakes, and melange of farts and other smells wafting through the metro car. <laughs> you said fart. <laughs> I finally got back to my apartment. Sprinting through my open door and into the front hall at full speed was like a slow, relaxing drift down a lazy river. I was relieved to be home. At least I had stuff I could do there. I picked up the book I was reading, 100 Years of Solitude, and finished it. Despite turning the pages so quickly that I tore many of them, it seemed like most of the time I spent finishing the book was spent on page turning and not actually reading. Three minutes had passed since I got home. I tried surfing the internet. My god, it takes a long time for computers to boot these days. But it was too frustratingly slow. Hours, seemingly, to load each new page, and a fraction of a second to read it. A hundred articles in my newsfeed read, and just three more minutes done. I dipped into my pile of yet-to-be-read books and finished two more. Four more minutes had passed. I decided to try to sleep off the remaining effects of the drug. Unfortunately, whatever parts of my mind is responsible for perception, the part that's been accelerated to hyperspeeds by the drug isn't the same same as the part that governs sleep. Despite being awake for what I perceived as days, my physical brain still thought it was 1.25pm. It was not ready for sleep. Nevertheless, I tried to sleep. 
I walked to my bedroom, a slow 45-minute drift through my apartment, and flung myself into bed, lazily falling like a feather onto the mattress. I closed my eyes and lay there for hours and hours, ten minutes of reality time, before giving up. Sleep would not come. I was facing what was going to feel like days, or maybe even weeks, of being trapped in a slow-motion prison. So I took an Ambien. The sensation of the pill and the splash of water I used to swallow it sliding, uh, swallow it sliding my throat was sickening. A lump that blocked my breathing, moving like a slug down my esophagus. I read a book. Ten minutes had passed. I read another 18 minutes since I took the Ambien. I threw the book across the room in disgust at my situation. The book slowly pirouetted and spun through the air like a leaf blowing in a breeze. It hit the wall with a long, faint rumble. The only sound I had heard for what seemed like hours, then drifted to the floor like a flip-flop sinking in a swimming pool. The force of gravity hadn't changed since I took the pill. The laws of physics were the same. It was just my perception of time that had gone wackadoo. This meant I could use the speed things seemed to fall as a way of judging the effects of the drug. Based on how long it took the book to drift to the floor, I estimated the effects of the drug were still intensifying. I read a magazine. I turned on the television. I clearly saw each frame of video like I was watching a slideshow. Frustrated, I turned the television off. I read some more. The first two books of Churchill's A History of the English-Speaking Peoples. Not exactly a light read. Frankly, I hated it. But given the hours of tedium it would take to go get another book off my bookshelf, just sitting on the couch and reading Churchill was better. Or at least less worse. It had now been 35 minutes since I took the Ambien. I lay down on the couch and closed my eyes. Time passed. I inhaled. An hours-long process. Time passed. I exhaled for more hours. Sleep would not come. I needed a new plan. I decided to go back to the offices where they gave me the drug. Maybe they would have something that could counteract its effects, or at least something to knock me out until it wore off. I exited my apartment as fast as possible, taking hours in my time frame to do so. I didn't even bother locking the door. It would have taken too long. Down the stairs, it's faster than the elevator if you run, through the lobby, out the front door, and onto the street, these few things felt like a long day at the office. Sprinting down the street, dancing and weaving between pedestrians with what must have uh, looked to them superhuman dexterity. Down the first flight of stairs in the metro, across the landing, another hour. Then on to the second flight of stairs. That's when the Ambien hit me. The Ambien didn't make me sleepy. Not at all. Instead, it must have had a severe cross-reaction with the experimental drug I took this morning. I was bounding down the second flight of stairs, moving in slow motion, but still making perceptible progress. Then, wham, everything stopped. The dull roar of the street and metro noise ceased, replaced by the most perfect silence I've ever experienced. My downwards motion seemed, so complete, seemed to completely freeze. Before the ambient kicked in, my perception of time was maybe a few hundred times slower than real time. After the ambient took effect... Time moved thousands of times slower. Every second seemed like days to me. Even just moving my eyes to focus on a new point was like an impossibly slow scroll across my visual field. Over the course of the afternoon, I learned how to walk, run, and jump when my mind ran hundreds of times faster than my body. 
but with another four or five orders of magnitude of slowdown caused by the Ambien, body control was almost impossible. I fell on the stairs. Even though I was all but frozen in mid-step, controlling my muscles was impossible. I commanded my foot forwards for hours, then backwards for hours, more, when it seemed like I would miss the next step. Hours attempting to adjust the angle of my ankle, then readjusting when it felt wrong. Despite these efforts, I rolled my ankle on the next step. The pain wasn't at all mitigated by the slowness. Hours of increasing strain on my bent ankle. The nerve signals that send pain into the brain must work differently than the nerves in my ear. Sonic energy was spread out over time, diluted until it was imperceptible. Pain flowed into my brain undiluted by the change in my perception of time. Hours and hours of increasing weight on my turned ankle turned into hours of increasing pain upon increasing pain. I pitched forwards my high-speed mind completely unable to control my low-speed body. I drifted downwards for days, managing to rotate my torso enough to keep my head from impacting the ground first. I eventually landed on my right shoulder. At first, the impact wasn't even noticeable. Then I felt a slight pressure in my shoulder as it came into contact with the ground. The pressure grew, bringing increasing pain for hour upon hour. My shoulder finally gave out, popping out of its socket with an endless, sickening tug. I came to a stop days later, crumpled onto the ground, staring at the ceiling. The pain in my shoulder still screaming with the intensity of a fresh, violent injury. I had plenty of time to think during that fall. If every second seemed like days to me, then each minute of real-world time would be like years. Even if the drug cleared out of my system in the next two or three hours, this nightmare would seem to last centuries. By the time I hit the ground, I had a plan. I would somehow get to the platform and throw myself in front of a train. I twisted onto my hands and knees, days of my dislocated shoulder crying for relief. I misjudged my rotation and rolled onto my back. I tried again, collapsing onto my face as I tried to figure out how to control a body that moved slower than grass grew. Weeks of effort were finally rewarded with success. I stabilized on my hands and knees. If just getting on all fours was this difficult, I figured that walking or running was completely out of the question. So I crawled. I crawled through the metro tunnel. The dumb looks on the faces in the crowd lingered on me for weeks. I crawled under the turnstile and onto the escalator. The escalator spilled the rush hour crowd onto the platform at the same speed a glacier spills ice into the sea. I looked out over the crowded platform during my interminable downward ride. The train status sign said the next train wouldn't arrive for 20 minutes. 20 minutes was like a year to me. I'd have to spend a year on the metro platform waiting to die. I crawled off the escalator, enduring days of stupid expressions on the commuters' faces. I crawled a few feet to a concrete bench and curled up next to it, trying to find a position to lessen the pain in my shoulder. Then my problem with time got worse. Impossibly worse. The massive slowdown on the stairs was just the beginning of the interaction between the experimental drug and the Ambien. It fully hit me while I was curled up by the bench. I blinked. Years of darkness followed. Sound was already gone, and with my blink, sight was gone as well. All that, existed, all that existed was pain from my fall. My hyper-accelerated mind wasted no time compensating for the lack of sensory input. Voices spoke to me. They sung to me in languages that never existed. Patterns and faces and colors came and went in my mind's eye. 
I recalled my whole life and imagined living another. I forgot English. I settled into a profound despair. I spoke to God. I became God. I imagined a new universe and brought it to life with my thoughts. Then I did it all again and again. My eyes opened with geologic slowness. A faint glow, weeks. A slit of light, weeks. A narrow view of the metro platform. Ankles of the commuters near me and an advertisement on the opposite wall. I extracted my phone from my pocket, a project that spanned decades. How can I even explain the boredom? The pain in my shoulder is nothing compared to the boredom. Every thought I can think, I have thought hundreds of times already. The view of ankles and advertisements never changes. Never. The boredom is so intense it's tangible, like a solid object of metal and stone wedged into my skull. Inescapable. What are my options? If I crawl and fall onto the tracks without an oncoming train to crush me, I won't die. I'll experience even more pain from the four-foot fall, but I'll most likely be rescued by some do-gooder on the platform and unable to act when the train finally does arrive. My suffering in that scenario will be endless. So, I wait for the train, so I can throw myself under it. When it finally hits me, I will experience the pain of being ripped to pieces for centuries, until finally... The light of, of life leaves my brain, and my experience ends. I've lived hundreds of lifespans at the foot of this bench. I am far older in spirit than any human who has ever lived. Most of my life experience has been a snapshot of pain huddled on the floor of a subway platform with an unchanging view of ankles and advertisements. This post is my plan B, my Hail Mary, my long shot. I've spent lifetimes typing and posting this message in the hope that someone will read it and become convinced that my suffering must end. Someone on this platform right now. Someone who will find the man curled under the bench. The man who crawled down the escalator. And kill him as swiftly as possible. A bullet to the temple. If you're armed and at the Glenmont Metro, please shoot me. Cool story, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I can relate to that guy. Yeah, it sounds about like all of our life experiences. Yeah, right now. I uh, uh, felt like it was a good uh, 2020 vibe in that one. Can I just point out that life would be infinitely more entertaining if babies made whale noises? Whales made baby noise. <laughs> you, you, you go scuba diving for the first time and just in the distance uh, and at an impossible volume. You're <laughs> like super fucking loud, too. Nobody would be into marine biology. <laughs> We so, know nothing about the ocean because people wouldn't want to go near it. <laughs> sounds of babies. <laughs> the beach would be a nightmare. <laughs> so in the spirit of Halloween, I thought it would be a good idea to, to read a, a spoopy story. I guess that's not really scary, but it is kind of a th like thriller oh, territory. I love, I love spirit of Halloween. <laughs> It filled me with existential dread, which is a type of dread. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah. Um, so uh, enjoy Halloween, however 
you're going to be celebrating it. Um, I, I don't really you're know what people inside. are doing. Costumes. Yeah, I, I don't know what people are doing. I'm I haven't even planned for anything like it blows my mind that Halloween is Saturday. Me too. And then November is Sunday. And the election is Tuesday. So vote. I just checked. Uh, you can follow up on your uh, mail-in ballot. And I just checked and mine got uh, counted and confirmed. So Same. I'm happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, everyone vote, 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 vote. And have a happy Halloween. Do uh, what's necessary. Don't don't let the current situation ruin the best holiday of the year. And uh, we'll be back on November 1st. We'll see you in November, a mere nine days away from the release of the Xbox Series X. Uh, and we may do some streaming this week, uh, depending on uh, how Dan's Internet situation uh, works out. Uh, we may stream some more phasmophobia to get you in the mood of the season with some terrify tyler yay so i'm so excited thank you everybody for watching and or listening happy halloween happy halloween Boo.